everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I met a couple of years ago when he was sent as a seminarian to St. Bridget's, which is the school where I teach. He has since been ordained a deacon for the Diocese of Richmond, but his real big claim to fame is when I recruited him for Catholic Trivia Night and we totally obliterated the competition and won. It's Deacon Dylan Bruce. Welcome, Dylan. Hi, Julia. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here. So what else would you like to share with our listeners about yourself? Any background? I know, like I said, your big claim to fame is really like winning Catholic trivia that night, but <laughs> any other? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. I know the uh, the young adults that came with us were pretty sour that I didn't, I didn't join their group. <laughs> I know. I liked, I had like talked to you beforehand. I kind of, I, I had a plan. Like I, I think I was like having recess duty or somewhere I saw you outside and was like, you have to come to trivia night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had me as soon as I walked in the door. That's right. I get a little competitive. Yeah, we won. It was great. Um, but what else would you like to share about yourself, Dylan? Um, you know, I, yeah, I was just ordained a deacon, which is a huge blessing because one of the sac- it's literally a blessing from the sacraments and just <laughs> finally getting to preach and express what I've been learning now for over seven years of seminary formation. Mm-hmm. And it's just finally having an outlet of sharing what I've been learning and praying about with others. And it's been so freeing, making the promises has been so freeing. And I'm just super uh, excited and blessed to finally exercise the ministries of the church. Um, I've been very blessed to be formed at some great seminaries, first at St. John Paul II in D.C. for three years where I did my philosophy. And now I'm studying theology at the North American College in Rome. It's been a, a huge blessing uh, all along the paths, not the least among which has been uh, being at St. Bridget school and church mm-hmm. is, was a very big blessing and part of my formation, but I'm glad to, to reconnect with you today for the podcast. Yeah, no, the, the kids totally, they were bummed that you weren't assigned there. Like I said, this summer or, uh, they just, they, they loved you so much. You were so good with them. And I forgot that you were in Rome recently. So do you go back to Rome then this fall? Yeah, I'll return at the beginning of September. Um, and then we have a, about a, a month of how to be a deacon classes and then <laughs> classes will start in in October. That's great. And I, I think it's beautiful that one of the reasons you're so excited to be a deacon is the preaching and um, that you get to share the things that you learn. That's one of the reasons why I, I do this podcast and why I teach is because I just I have learned all these things throughout my life and through my degrees. And I just I want to share the good news. So I, I love, think that we have that in common. So this will be a good conversation. Yeah, looking forward to it. So what I'm going to have you do next is read the passage that you've chosen. You've chosen part of John's Bread of Life discourse. And I believe you're going to read John chapter 6 verses, did we say 35 through 59? Yes. Okay, awesome. Whenever you are ready. All right. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I told you that although you have seen me, you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will not reject anyone who comes to me, because I came down from heaven not to do my own will, 
but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose anything of what he gave me, but that I should raise it on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I shall raise him on the last day. The Jews murmured about him, because he said, I am the bread, of, the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Do we not know his father and mother? Then how can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Stop murmuring among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to my Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that no one may eat it and not die. So that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, unlike your ancestors who ate and still died. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. These things he said while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. Okay, so I'm just going to give a little bit of like where we're at in John's gospel, and then after we can feel free to <laughs> add on to anything. So this is the sixth chapter of John's gospel. It Uh, Chapter six begins with the feeding of the 5,000. And so we definitely have the Eucharistic um, miracle there and then him kind of explaining it and adding on to it here. All of the Gospels actually do have that feeding of the 5,000, which I think is interesting. But we've talked on this podcast before how um, John is just so different. He's very symbolic. He's um, writing for for a Jewish audience. And so they would have been familiar with all of the, the mosaic references that are here. Um, one thing that really stands out to me, too, and is important to know about John is he does this like a lot of repetition, especially 
when Jesus references himself and his relationship with the Father. John's gospel is very Trinitarian. So Jesus is constantly saying, like, I am the I am the Son and the Son and the Father, and like all that kind of repetition about his relationship with the Father. So that's just a little bit of kind of context and background about John and like where we're at in his gospel. I don't know, what would you like to say about like context or or kind of where we're at with this uh, deacon? Right. Yeah. So John 6 is unique, especially this passage about the bread of life is unique Mm -hmm. to John. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was really struck by, as I was taking my courses about the Eucharist, how many Christian traditions never even see this under the lens of the Eucharist. Of course, Mm -hmm. if you don't have the Eucharist, you're not going to. But, but to to read this and not see it as the Eucharist is, is really striking how, how, how one can't see that. And so I, got, I was really interested into understanding, okay, what does the church say about this? Because right, really he's just talking about the bread, but it's, it's not the – because John doesn't have the, the institution narrative uh, of, of the Last Supper. And so the fact that it's all the way – here, almost mm. at the beginning of John's gospel, that he's talking about the Eucharist is pretty pretty unique to John, and I think it adds a lot of value to the sacrament of the Eucharist. That's a really good point. I haven't thought about that. So just to give people a little bit of, of background and context with that. So obviously all the gospels talk about the Last Supper, but, and, but John's is very unique, and he has this kind of three-chapter Last Supper discourse where, again, he's kind of referencing a lot of things that I was saying about sending the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, very Trinitarian, and kind of giving the apostles instructions before um, his Paschal mystery and his Passion. So it is interesting that he he doesn't really say the words, like you said, the institution of consecration there, but has it here. And I was thinking as you were reading, you know, John, so much of his gospel is very figurative and symbolic, or he brings up a lot of symbols because he's writing to a Jewish audience that would be familiar with a lot of the symbols. But we take this chapter so literally, which I think is kind of what you were getting at, you know, those words of, of institution. So I don't know if you want to respond to any of that. Right. It's it's the the question of, is it a sign or is Jesus is Jesus saying the bread of life or eat me, eat, meaning participate in mm-hmm. me in faith or does he really mean eat my flesh and drink my blood and the what strikes me about this passage in the the very even the the greek would contribute to this of of how serious jesus is he doubles down we got two amen amens i say to you <laughs> in this right. passage <laughs> and he's saying listen up because i'm very serious about what i'm saying here yeah, you're right. The I've said this a couple of times, and I just think for us Catholics, we get a bad rap that we don't really know our scripture. And I wish we, we you know, Greek is a very hard language to learn. But, I, you know, when you go to seminary and you go to, to, to college to learn this kind of stuff, you get so much from the Greek. So I wish that we knew more of, you know, those roots of, of these passages, because the, the Greek language had specific words for specific relationships. And so I don't know if you want to speak more to like what Jesus is saying here of what you know from the Greek. Right. There's just two main points, uh, particular with the word, two words, uh, that is eating and mm-hmm. with flesh. Mm-hmm. And and so the, I'd start with the, the idea of eating. So Jesus, as of course, is talking about he opens up talking about eating the manna that that Moses provided the mm-hmm. Israelites God provided and Moses distributed and this this word that he's using is fagete 
And this is your, your, your everyday kind of eating. It's a very, very common. And, and everywhere that John writes about eating the manna, he uses this word fagete. Mm-hmm. And yet the whole discourse, that the fact that Jesus is getting very serious, happens in verse 51. And it's the first time that he says that we're going to eat his flesh. And this word, he switches from fagete to trogon, which is the most graphic, violent term <laughs> that you can use for eating. It's munching, gnawing. Oh my goodness. And, and he uses this explicitly for when he's talking about his flesh. And once he, he never goes back to this word fagete throughout the rest of the discourse until verse 58, where he goes back to mention you ate, he says, um, unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, he uses fagete one more time there, but it's referring to the, what the, the bread the ancestors ate. Well, whoever eats this bread, this bread, meaning himself, will live forever, he uses trogon. And so again, he, he's very much graphic of, and, and he knows how graphic this idea of eating flesh would be and appalling to this Jewish community. <laughs> And he just doubles down, and I love it. (laughs) So why do you think he does use that particular verb? Can you go a little further with that? So, like, why does he switch um, to that? I think John John is switching because he wants to emphasize the tangible human reality of eating. He he wants to make it clear that this is not a spiritual you know, mm-hmm. numerate and trying to wrestle with the word or with faith about Jesus. He's saying, no, we're eating his flesh. What he's talking about here, that's it's real eating, munching, mm-hmm. gnawing, chewing. <laughs> um, and, and just love how John is so consistent with this verb um, that he's, he uses it exclusively for this word. Um, and, and John's good about being consistent with the words that he uses kind of exclusively. So the other example that I mentioned was body. And there's two different Greek terms. There's sarx and there's soma. And sarx is, refers to a living body in John's gospel. He uses it for living things. And that's what's all throughout this gospel. He's saying, eat my flesh, eat my sarx, his living body. So, so we, we don't have this problem of cannibalism. This is a living body and Jesus mm-hmm. continues to live within us as we when we consume the Eucharist. Um, whereas Soma, John talks about the the body of Christ on the cross, the dead body, the Soma, and but we don't see Soma here uh, during this reading. That's really well said. Um, again, I wish that we as Catholics knew more of these Greek roots from words because I think it makes the Scripture come alive in, in different ways, in new ways, and explains our teachings. You know, that's you're essentially explaining why we believe in the true presence of the Eucharist as Catholics because the distinguished, you know, the it's made it's distinguished here in John's Gospel as such. And um, I, I love that you're a deacon and that you're going to be able to explain these kinds of things at mass. I wish that also, and this is just my own personal opinion, but like at, at mass, I want to hear this kind of stuff in my preaching, you know, so mm-hmm. just take note. I want to hear yeah. like <laughs> these roots. I think it's, it's so important. I don't know. Yeah, totally. I, think that's I, I look forward to, to teaching being a big part of my preaching. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to know that, that people are looking to, to get deeper, deeper in their faith through, through the preaching. 
I think so, because yeah. we do learn this stuff like in seminary and in theology classes, but not everybody has access to that. And, um, you know, I think it's our job as for you, an ordained minister, and for me as a catechist and you know, scripture teacher to, to kind of dive into this. I'm glad that we're doing this. What else would you like to say about this passage, uh, Deacon? So, you, I mean, you notice it is, it is a lengthy passage. And I, I think I think I, I could have started at verse 51, talking mm-hmm. just straight about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, him being the bread of life. But they're starting with the very beginning, the first time Jesus talks about the bread of life in verse 35. That's when he enters that he is the bread of life. And right in the middle of it is this whole conversation about knowing the Father. In mm-hmm. having belief, and that what that just tells me is just how important the Eucharist is to our relationship to God. It's central; a central aspect of our faith is to participate in Jesus in such an intimate way as actually eating His flesh and drinking His blood. And and that's I mean that's exactly what He says: unless you eat of My flesh and drink My blood. You have no life within you. Yeah, I'm glad that you explained a little bit, John. And it's it's easy to just kind of, for me, like read right past all of those words because John, as I mentioned earlier, does that kind of repetition where he's constantly, ref- Jesus references himself as you know connected to the Father. So I'm glad that you touched on that, maybe why he's doing that. But it's, he's emphasizing that he is the connection to the Father and that the Eucharist is is him. And it, he, you know, receiving the Eucharist is our connection to the Father. So I'm glad that you explained that. What, I'm trying to think of what else kind of stood out to me. There's so much here. Oh, you'd mentioned earlier about um, maybe not necessarily seeing this as Eucharistic as it really is. And it references Moses and the the Passover. We had heard this week in um, the readings from Exodus. So it's been very much on my mind. I think, you know, this passage references when they're given the manna in the desert. And that was a gospel yesterday, I think. Or yes. not the gospel, but the, the first reading. The, the first thing was from Exodus. So can you yeah. maybe make the connections or what Jesus is saying about the manna in the Old Testament versus the, the Eucharist now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Jesus is referring to this, this manna that was given to the Israelites when they were grumbling in the desert. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they had just witnessed the single greatest event in Israelite salvation history. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the departing of the Red Sea and the, being freed from the slavery of Egypt. And here they are in our lectionary that we read right after that the next day. They're grumbling in the desert saying, oh, it would have been better for us to have died fat and happy in Egypt <laughs> than for you to drag us out here where there's nothing to eat. And they grumble, but God, nonetheless, because he's just so good, uh, he says, okay, I'm going to give you what you need. And he gives them this manna. I love the word the word manna. It's just, mm-hmm. what is this? <laughs> That's what it means. What is this? And, well, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yes. And so Jesus is saying, God provided for you this, this bread, um, but they kept being hungry. They, they needed to go every morning to gather it together. But Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life. I, I will satisfy that hunger. Mm-hmm. And and just this, the connections between what he's saying here and for us in today's world of what are we looking to satisfy us? 
there's so there's there's so many temporary things that we look to satisfy and fulfill our lives but jesus is saying i'm everything for you once you once you have me you're, you don't need anything else yeah part of the part the podcast too i'm always trying to see how scripture can relate and apply to our everyday lives. So I I feel like you're kind of taking us there right now, which is great. So we can look at maybe what we are in need of and where we need to be satisfied or where we're maybe unfulfilled and and kind of take this passage and and help us examine that and what we really need. So I don't know, what would you what would you say are kind of like our real life applications of this passage? Well first I would I would begin with the point that John and therefore Jesus are making in this passage is the very literal reading of, first of all, he's saying, go to mass, <laughs> receive <laughs> our Lord and the blessed sacrament. That's what's going to heal you, sustain you, get you over the grumbling when you think you're going to about to starve in the desert. The Eucharist is, the church tells us, the source and the summit of our faith. It's everything for us. Uh, without the church, there is no Eucharist. Without the Eucharist, there is no church. Mm-hmm. And so just you know, starting with that quite literal invitation of go to Mass. But I don't want to knock this spiritual interpretation either. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the, the beautiful thing about Scripture is there's so many levels and layers. Mm-hmm. And, and so I say the second thing is, is, are we, is Jesus... Our, our sustenance for for everything is our relationship with him what sustains us yeah i think those are good questions to ask ourselves i'm curious um because obviously we've been in a pandemic and mass looked different right or the mass was the same but we weren't necessarily able to go in person to mass mm-hmm. for me personally i love just praying in front of the eucharist in general like i love even obviously receiving it is the ultimate but if I just can go into a church and pray in front of the Eucharist, I feel his presence in that way, too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Could, maybe we can talk a little bit about what it was like this past year not being able to be physically present as he asks us to be in this gospel. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on mm-hmm. that? Yeah. So one of the great blessings of being a seminarian is that you're always around priests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I never had to go any length of time without mm-hmm. having mass or adoration even. And that was just such a big blessing. And it was d- during that moment, I'd be sitting in the church and I just, I could f- feel, and I remember just hearing the the cry of so many people who felt distance from their Lord. Uh, and because, because I, I tell people, you know, being in front of the Eucharist is like talking to someone face to face. Sure, you could give them a, a text or a phone call or write them a letter, and have some communication there. That's kind of, I would say, like our mental prayer in our rooms and such. But there's a particular profound presence of the Lord of being right there. And so I would just, in my time, a a privileged place to be so near to our Lord in the Eucharist, just lifting up so many people that I knew were suffering during this time to not be able to draw close to our Lord in the Eucharist. Yeah, I, I I definitely, at the beginning of the pandemic, really, like, I remember crying my first time watching Mass online, and I didn't expect myself to have that reaction, because Mass is something I think I take for granted, and I'm sure many Catholics do. We just, you know, it's routine. We've gone, we've gone since we were little, and we just get, you know, kind of the up and down. But then having been removed from it, 
are not, you know, not totally removed, but just like not participating in the way we normally would. Um, it was a great difficulty and sorrow and it was a struggle. We made the the kids watch mass virtually every week. So they still attended mass, but they were virtual. There was only one class in person at a time. And I know that they felt it too. Um, I will say that when we got to actually go into the church though, they appreciated it so much more and they just, mm. that feeling, they could feel it, you know? Mm. So yeah, you, re- you really can. I, I, it just reminds me of, I'm assigned to Waynesboro, Virginia, where they just built a new church. And it was stunning and beautiful, and they did such a good job. But I was here for about three weeks before we dedicated our church, which meant that our Lord was not kept in Mm. the tabernacle. And I remember just being like, this is beautiful and all, but you could just feel that this wasn't the fullness of what it was supposed to be like. And once that dedication happened and our Bishop placed our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament into the tabernacle, you could feel it. This is a church. Mm-hmm. And, and it just changed. As soon as you walk in, you feel it now. And it mm-hmm. just, the, the presence of our Lord really is almost a, a perceptible thing if you, if you spend enough time with Him in the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah, I. I hope that I don't take that feeling for granted. I mean, it was definitely a tough lesson to learn this year um, and a good reminder um, of of the importance and just the presence. So as we kind of wrap up, I don't know what else you'd like to say about this passage. Give us some takeaways, some final things. I know there's so much more we could dive into here, but what would you like us to kind of take away from this passage today? Um, just a, a love for the Eucharist and the seriousness that Jesus has in wanting us to participate him in such an intimate way. I I think it can be confusing of how does Jesus' life and what he has done affect me? How how does that even apply to me? Is it just some time travel radiation of mm-hmm. his goodness to us? And I think Jesus is saying, no, here is a concrete, real way that I am establishing for you to have eternal life in me and therefore with the father. Yeah, that was really well said. It's such an intimate thing. I try to explain that to my students when we talk about the sacraments that you can't get any more intimate than receiving. I mean, you're consuming God and he's totally within you and you're totally connected in that moment. Um, and it's hard for us to wrap our brains around, but if you do think about it and really in this context of, of what we believe as Catholics, you know, it's so intimate and all of Jesus' encounters through the sacraments, through scripture are so intimate. So I think that's a good, a good reminder and a good thing for us to take away. Thank you so much, Dylan. You're going to be such a great preacher and I'm so excited to see what God does with you, where he sends you. (laughs) You said he didn't want to plug anything at the end. This is your last chance. Did you want to say any like kind of final words or places you want to draw our attention to? I'll just ask for your prayers, um, especially for, Uh, all of our seminarians in the diocese. The last thing that the devil wants is more priests to Mm. save souls. And so just really ask for your abundant prayers uh, as we are in formation, trying to give ourselves over to the Father, to abandon ourselves to his will, um, and to really be the priest that the church needs for the next 50 years or so. 
Amen. Yes, we'll definitely keep you in our prayers. And if you all would like to connect with me or um, learn more about this podcast or possibly be a guest, you can find me on Instagram at 7 Mile Chats, all spelled out. I'd love to hear from you and give me a follow. And you can also find me on Twitter at MissRuckley1, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1. I tweet about Catholic schools and this podcast and a lot of things about Catholic education. So I'd love to see you and on there as well. Thanks again, Deacon Dylan, for being here today. It was good to chat with you. Well, thank you so much, Julia. It was great to catch up. Bye everyone.